Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to episode, we will look at how to know and do what Jesus would do. The first question on many people's minds may be, come on, is it even possible to know what Jesus would do? It absolutely is. In the 1990s, there was a huge WWJD campaign, I guess. I don't know who started it, but I definitely know that I had a necklace around my neck with the WWJD on it. I saw people wearing bracelets and little rubber band bracelets to just remind themselves to think about what would Jesus do? So the Lord put it on my heart to do this episode, and I asked him what he wanted to say about it. And he said, I sent the Holy Spirit for this purpose. You don't need to wonder what I would do when you allow the Holy Spirit to make it clear. When I resurrected and sent you the Holy Spirit, it was so that you would have me inside of you as your guide, so that you can know the Father's will and obey it. The verse in 1 Corinthians 2, 15-16 shows you that no man can understand the Scriptures apart from the Holy Spirit. You will always misinterpret the Word if you try to understand it from your own mind and limited understanding, and not from my omniscience. It is not only possible for you to know what I would do, it's simple. This is what you learn how to do in this podcast and in the Experience Jesus books. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 says, But the spiritual man, the spiritually mature Christian, judges all things, questions, examines, and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals, yet is himself judged by no one, The believer cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. We learn in this verse that God shares his mind with us for the purpose of being guided by his thoughts and purposes. We also learn in this verse that God's will must be interpreted by the Holy Spirit and not secondhand. If you begin with what you assume a scripture means and not surrender to the Holy Spirit's heart, your understanding will come from a limited man's point of view. This is the reason that there are over 33,000 denominations of Christianity. Man divided over their own limited understanding of the scripture The Lord is the author of all scripture and therefore is the only qualified source to interpret it. What is the danger of secondhand interpretation? Well, Satan knows the word better than you do, and he also knows how to manipulate it. My pastor taught about this a few weeks ago in a sermon, and he said that Satan will manipulate the word by twisting it and using verses out of context. One of his favorite things to do is to offer you something that you might not realize you already have. To Eve, he offered that she would be like God if she ate the apple. But the truth was, she already was like God, because the verse before she was even created shared that God made people in his own image. To Jesus, Satan offered to give him all the nations if he would bow to him. Well, he actually already had them because he created them. He was, is, and always will be God. 
To the world, Satan will tell you the lie that Christianity is not inclusive enough. But God says, I am not willing for any to perish. This means that his will is to desire for everyone to choose him. But not all roads lead to your destination on earth. And the same is true in spiritual matters. The enemy will have you focus on the wrong thing to distract your eyes away from real truth. If you are not habitually in the Word, meditating on it and asking the Holy Spirit to interpret it, you won't recognize when the Word is being twisted or when it is true. The truth is not a thing to know. It's a person to know. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's also the Word. To know someone is to spend time with them. You may think that you know a thing or two about famous celebrities, but you don't know them unless you have a direct personal relationship with them. This is one of the reasons that when I hear people say that they want to make God famous, it annoys me. To be famous is a distant knowing. It's not an intimate knowing. It's knowing about somebody, but it's not knowing them directly. The entire reason the Lord created this world and people was for an intimate knowing. When Adam and Eve messed that up for us at the beginning of time, he needed to make it right, and he sent Jesus to restore that direct communion with us. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, the Holy Spirit came to give us direct access to the Father again. For us to not take advantage of that access is essentially to nullify the work of the cross in your own life. To know what Jesus would do, it helps to look at what Jesus did do. Jesus lived a perfect life as 100% man, even though he was also 100% God. He laid aside his deity to show us how to live completely tuned to the Father by way of the Holy Spirit. Jesus cannot deny himself. He will always behave in alignment with his names, his character, and the promises in the Word of God. His will will reflect the fruit of the Spirit revealed in the Word of God because it is his nature and character. Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's look now at some of the things that Jesus did do while he was here on earth. One thing we observe is that he connected with people in the world. Jesus was out interacting with people in their everyday lives. He did not remain inside the walls of a temple as his only serviceable environment. It is not God's will or his way to remain boxed inside the walls of a church or a temple. Of the 12 tribes of Israel, only one tribe was allocated to the work of the temple. That meant that 11 twelfths of the Jewish people were to be living out their faith in their families and in the marketplace. While we know that Jesus spent a lot of time in the temple, there were only a few stories of him actually ministering in the temple. One where he was 12 years old, confounding the rabbis with his wisdom, 
See Luke chapter 2. Another, when he angrily flipped over the tables out of righteous anger because the people were disrespecting the temple. See John 2.15. And the third was where Jesus confirmed his deity when he claimed that he was the fulfillment of Isaiah 61, which declares the Messiah. Luke 4.16-22 says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon, forgiveness to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind to set those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the favor of God abound greatly. Then he rolled up the scroll, having stopped in the middle of the verse, gave it back to the attendant and sat down to teach. And the eyes of all those on the synagogue were attentively fixed on him. He began speaking them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and in your presence. Even this verse in the scripture shared the things that Jesus did and wanted us to do. Preach the good news, release the captives, heal, and encourage people. The rest of Jesus' ministry was him reaching out, connecting with people in the culture. So one thing we know for sure Jesus does not want you to limit your life and service of reflecting his love inside only the walls of the church. He wants you to reflect his light in all the circles of influence in your life. Remember, you carry him with you wherever you go. He's inside of you. If we want to do like Jesus would do, we must reflect his love. Unfortunately, much of the Christian body of Christ does not do a great job of representing Christ as love. We don't want to be known more for what we are against than what we are for. We are for Jesus. We are for hope, peace, love, salvation, freedom from the captives, power in the kingdom. These are the things that Jesus reflected, and these are the things that we should be reflecting as his hands and feet today. So one of our first challenges is to learn how to respond in love in times and places that can be difficult, especially if you're trying to do so in your own strength. Let's look at some examples in Jesus's life where it would be difficult to love in a circumstance that he was faced with. In Matthew 26, 23 to 25, We see the scene where we know that Jesus knows that it's Judas that's going to betray him. Matthew 26, 23 to 25, Jesus answered, He who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me as a pretense of friendship will betray me. The Son of Man is going to the cross, just as it is written in Scripture of him. But woe, judgment is coming to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had never been born. 
And Judas the betrayer said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Judas betrayed Jesus even after he warned him of the consequence. And he knew what he was planning. Jesus gave Judas the time and opportunity to change his mind. But he still made a bad choice. Another story of how Jesus responded in love was related to Peter denying him three times. I have a personal story related to this one I'd like to share. When I was in Israel, we had a guide named Yanni, who was a biblical archaeologist. All day long, he was building up a case for why he knew the actual house of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the trial for Jesus occurred. It was a different place and most people on tours are shown, and Yanni was overzealous because he had his own experience related to the excavation of this particular house. Right before we stopped over the threshold of that house, I said a quiet prayer in my spirit to the Lord, and I said to Jesus, you know where Caiaphas's house is. If this is the place, please confirm it for me. The moment I stepped over the threshold I could hardly breathe. My chest had such a heavy pressure on it. I was struggling to breathe as I heard Yanni pointing out evidence like having separate bathtubs, one for ceremonial washing, and the type of artifacts could only have been from the high priest, etc. When we got to the back corner of the room, Yanni pointing out the direction behind where I was sitting They had found that it was where there would have been a servant's fire pit. We were all sitting in that room. Yanni was pointing out that the room we were sitting in was the only room in the house that could have been used for this trial. Yanni said the words, picture if you will. And he began to paint a picture of the scene of that room. And the moment that he did... It was like I was there, standing in that room as clear as if I had actually been there directly. Caiaphas, the soldiers, the accusers were standing there, Jesus facing forward, and I could only see his back. I could tell that he was already bleeding, though. He was facing the high priest. He was bound up, and directly behind me, I could see Peter on his tippy toes trying to look through the window at what was going on with Jesus. This was how he was noticed by the servant girl, and she pointed him out to the others. He was embarrassed and nervous and sat back down, denying that he knew Jesus. Then I heard the rooster crow, and I saw Jesus turn around and look out the window through me to Peter. And I saw Peter look directly back at him. The thing that struck me most about that scene was that Jesus had only love in his eyes. Not disappointment, not anger, just love. It was so overwhelming, I could not move. I could feel Jesus' emotions. I could feel Peter's emotions, the guilt and the shame, the sadness, and from Jesus, just love. I could only weep and try to catch my breath. Yanni essentially dropped the mic and the entire group got up and followed him out of the room. 
A lady from the group noticed that I was still sitting there and she came up to me and said, you saw something. And I shared the story with her as well as I could at the moment. As I got up to walk out because I was afraid I might miss where the group was going, the Lord told me to go tell Yanni that he's right, but to make sure that he knew why I knew he was right. Everything God does is motivated by love. Even Jesus' willingness to die on the cross was because of love. We can only behave in love if we are fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit, because then we are covered by his love. We aren't borrowing it from him. We are just in his love. Even in the midst of dying on the cross, his heart was for you and me and the people in the crowd. And he said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You were created in God's image, and you are called to be like him. So how do you respond in love? It's all about your perspective and your choices. God has the advantage of having omnivision. That is, he was, is, and always will be all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, and love. This means that he exists in timelessness and has an eternal perspective. We see things in a temporal, limited, worldly reality. Let's take the Bible story of the demoniac, for example, in Mark 5, verses 1 through 20. If you arrived at an island and were approached with a man who had a legion of demons in him, you would run for the hills. But Jesus could see past this point in this man's life and saw a delivered man of God. If you choose to see things through the world's filter and through yourself, you will do and say things that fall below what Jesus would do or say and miss some pretty amazing miracles. But you can switch to God's perspective and make his choices. Having God's perspective changes your choices. And having his presence by way of the indwelling Holy Spirit gives you the power to make them. I used to work at a residential treatment facility for emotionally disturbed youth. In each of the cottages, there was a stop sign poster with the words, Stop, Think, Then Speak, and Act, implying that taking that pause helped the kids to regroup so that they could make better choices. I would like to amend that sign to say, Stop, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus, Listen, Look, then speak and act what Jesus says and does. This is exactly what Jesus did when he paused to fix his eyes on the Father. John 5.19 says, So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself of his own accord, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever things the Father does, the Son, in his turn, also does in the same way. Asking Jesus questions like, show me their heart, help me understand what is this really about, what lessons do you want me to learn from this, give me your perspective, what do you want me to say, what do you want me to do, then look and listen for the answers and speak and act accordingly. I love to tell the story about one of my students who did this and testified how it worked. He shared that he walked into the teacher's lounge and was immediately blasted by a woman in front of all of the other teaching staff. In baffled confusion, 
he instantly tuned into his spirit in the special place and met with Jesus while this lady was still yelling at him, Lord, what's going on here? Show me her heart. The Lord revealed that there was a personal crisis happening at her home and that she was lashing out based on that pain, but it wasn't about him at all. Jesus gave him the words and he responded in a loving spirit rather than in defense. She was disarmed by this response and started to cry. She apologized for taking out her personal frustrations on him, and they came up with a solution to the problem that she was frustrated about in the first place. He was able to pray with her and over her family situation. There's a key lesson in his experience. Think about a relation of yours where there is an issue that comes up over and over, and there's somewhat of a fight cycle, a pattern of communication and behavior that takes your relationship to a dark place. Things are said and done that begin to dig a negative rut in the relationship. The enemy loves to tell you that your anger is justified and that perpetuates the cycle. The truth is that there's always a choice to make. Do you respond negatively with your thoughts or Satan's inspired words and actions, or do you choose to tune into Jesus and replied with his words and actions. Agreeing with God's truth leads to healthy choices and consequences, healing, strength, healthy relationships, faith, hope, love, and peace. Agreeing with the enemy's lies leads you to unhealthy choices and consequences of anxiety, fear, worry, poor health, and poor relationships. There is always a choice, and your choice has resulting effects. When people see you respond in love like Jesus would, they're shaken. It is disarming that it stops the inevitable negative spiral in its tracks. I remember the Lord teaching me this lesson one day when my husband and I were on the verge of one of those negative cycle discussions. I could physically feel God's holy hand covering my mouth. He was giving me his perspective and giving me different words to say, and I said them, and the result was very different. I remembered that lesson, and my marriage improved after I learned it. It's all about being able to switch from your perspective to God's. This entire podcast and the Experience Jesus book series is designed to give you the tools you need to do that, to be able to connect with God, see him, hear him, feel him, and sense him, and allow him to transform you into your ideal Christ identity. So make sure you check out those books and resources. There are some other Experience Jesus episodes that go into more practical detail about how to switch from your perspective to God's. Those episodes will be linked below in this episode of the pattyej.podbean.com site. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop. 
and remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. I also wanted you to prayerfully consider attending our Breakthrough Spirit Life Workshop that will be held in Lebanon, Oregon, October 21st to 23rd, 2022. You will experience three days of carefully facilitated Jesus encounters, drawing you closer and increasing your intimacy with Christ, healing physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental things, and equipping you for your calling with an increased anointing and clarity about your destined purpose. Check out our information at spiritlifeworkshops.com. The link will be below this episode, and we hope to see you there. After playing with Jesus in the special place for a little while, properly posturing your heart to connect with him, Jesus will have a conversation with you about your switch. He will show you how you can instantly tune in to him and choose to follow his lead. And then he will give you some tips about opportunities where that might be practiced this week and give you the assignment to practice them to see how that works. Take all the time you need and make sure you record it all in your journal. Well, I hope the Lord gave you some insights about opportunities that you have to be able to stop and think and tune to the Lord and begin to see things from his perspective and then release them in your world and see how that changes relationships and gives you an opportunity to release God's love more in your circles of influence. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.